What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Jake and I are the Wisco Fanatics. We're going to be talking Brewers, Packers, and Badgers today. Uh, before we get started and welcome in Craig Kashan, who should be joining us shortly, uh, we want to announce that we officially have our date booked for our second live show. Uh, we will be at the Green Bay Parker Johns Thursday night, November 4th at 6.30. That'll be the week before they play the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and we'll be there Thursday night, Green Bay Parker Johns, November 4th, 6.30. Um, come and meet us, hang out with us, have some good food, and uh, – Come and meet us. We'd, we'd love to interact with people and uh, see people who are fans of the show and, and have them come hang out with us. So, um, the main thing that Tyler's trying to say is come enjoy some Parker John's food with us, some wings. Uh, if you like pizza, burgers, anything, man, come on, get some cheese cards, enjoy a couple brewskis with us. We're going to be chilling all night, talking to some Packers and some Badgers, man. I know I said it last – it was either last week or the week before. I know I said it. Their pizza is seriously underrated. Yeah, it's very good. It's very, very good. And, and at the end of the episode, you gonna say Tyler says, and you get to watch my dad get a pie to the face. Yes. Yep. Yes, sir. That's exactly what I was just going to say. Dinner and a show. Do they have lamb chops? I do not think so. I could talk to my buddy, though. I could talk to my buddy, Alex, and see what he says. <laughs> I don't think so, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Tim, I don't know if you're allowed to order off menu. <laughs> But also with that, uh, Parker Johns is sponsoring the show, so we want to thank them. Um, Every month we have a $25 gift card to give away to Parker Johns. So if you're sharing the show, we see who shares the show. Um, Share us, help us grow, and um, every month we will pick somebody to win a $25 Parker Johns gift card. Hey, Tim, by the way, you're supposed to be telling people how good the food is, man. Did you not use your your certificate yet, man? Must be saving, saving it for the live show, man. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's trying to get some free food, pie to the face. Tim, if you show up, buddy, I shouldn't say if. When you show up, you're going to come on the show and join us, man, because you you are here every episode. I love it. CD lamb chops? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Why didn't you choose that for your name for the Fantasy Football League? Did he get CD? I don't know, but I mean, he came up with the name, so I might That's as well. A pretty good name, dude. I got him in a couple of leagues. I might change my name to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get Craig Kashan in here, let's start talking about the Brewers versus the Phillies. Actually, you know what? Hold on. Because I know I told you this. I didn't make a banner for it. But I 
I have a subscription to The Athletic. Um, you get some good articles in there. Um, I want to tell you about an article came out about the Brewers um, written by Eno Saris, and it's it's called a, a statistic called Stuff Plus, which takes in things like release point, uh, the extension, the velocity, the spin rate, and the movement of pitches, and it combines them all into one to get Stuff Plus. Um you got a special surprise guest that I didn't know about. <laughs> Featuring my cat. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. So it, it broke it down in the article by pitch type. Um, uh, pitch type. Um, each individual pitcher's pitches. I'm sorry, that's kind of hard to follow, but it'll make a little bit more sense when I explain it later. But... Um, we do have our, our real special guest here now, so we're going to welcome in Craig Kishon. Oh, so. What up? Craig Kishon, very excited. Welcome in. This is a little nerve-wracking, if I'm being honest. <laughs> nerve-wracking for me? Are you kidding? What's going on? <laughs> we're just talking some baseball, man. Hoping that the, the rest of the Brewers weekend goes better than, than it did today and yesterday. Yeah, no, I'm uh, the last couple days have been like, where's the offense? You know, they but, left it uh, in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's for <laughs> sure. So, how you guys doing? What What's going on? What do you got brewing? All right. Well, we have a we have all right. We have a handful of questions we want to ask. We don't want to take up too much of your time. So, um, a bunch of questions. We'll get to as many as we can. Um, I'll kick it over to Jake to ask the first question right away. All right, so first question that we collaborated together and thought of is uh, when should we expect Willie Adamas and Tyrone Taylor back from the injury list? Ooh. Well, boy, that's that's medical stuff, man. I don't I don't dabble in that, but I, I will say this. They um, they fully plan on having those guys, you know, back by the end of the regular season at some point so they can, you know, they can figure out how they how they are physically. I mean, that's, that's really the first thing. How are you physically? And then, and then the other thing is, um, and you don't know this till, till you get to that point is how's everyone else doing? Is anyone in a slump? Um, is anyone else banged up? Is, did anyone else suddenly get hurt when these guys are ready to come back? I mean, you know how baseball is that that happens. So, um, but, you know, they fully expect these guys to be back um, definitely by the end of the regular season. And there's obviously no no rush to get them back at this point. The, the longer they have to get to 100%, the better. Now that's the one of the things that's been praised is the depth of the team and that they've been able to work through these and give these overcautious 10-day uh, injured list stints. Now Rowdy Telez is on the 10-day injured list as well. Um, yeah. Let's serve you up a meatball. What are your thoughts on the combined no-hitter against the Indians? Well, I thought the announcer did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had like live, like a true live audience to just laugh at me on that one. Uh, we, do, we do. We have a, we do our the show is live, so we do have a live audience. We got uh, a handful of people watching. So I want to hear them all laughing at me when I say that. All <laughs> <laughs> well, just know that they're laughing. <laughs> no, uh, man, it was, it was unbelievable. It really was. Um, 
I mean, there, there's a, there's all kinds of different directions we can go on it, but I, I, you know, from my perspective, um, and, and I've been saying this since we went back on the air on Sunday and then Eric Lauer's flirting with a, a no hitter, you know, mm-hmm. in the fifth inning. Um, I think the bottom line with the combined no hitter is the coolest thing about it for this particular team right now is all season long, as good as the Brewers have been, there has been not a single person, not a single player that stood above everybody else. And I think that's the cool thing about this combined no hitter. Corbin Burns took you to a spot where Josh Hader could finish it off. And then it was even more kudos, not only for those two guys, but to include the catcher, Omar Narvaez, because he he caught two different pitchers yep. for a combined. So he was he was the only guy that was on the field taking every single pitch the whole time. Mm-hmm. So to me, that that is the coolest part of what happened on Saturday, because this team will always go where the team goes. It's not going to go where an individual is. I know people would like to say, you know, Kristen Yelich, why can't you be an MVP? Well, he's not right now, but that's okay. Right. Where they are. So, um, I, I think that was the coolest part of it for sure. I gotta say, I love that answer. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't expecting that. So I, um, definitely thank you for that. I love, I love that answer. Um, and the, the cool thing about it is, um, Corbin Burns and Josh Hader are like best friends in the clubhouse and outside of the team. So um, those two are definitely happy to contribute to that together. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. So with that being said, now we're going to get to the big boy awards. Who is your pick for Cy Young? Corbin Burns, man. <laughs> gotta be right. Be right. <laughs> man, I, I don't know if I've seen somebody – Actually, you know what? I mean, with just the three of us talking about this, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, do you remember in 2018, we entered the month of September and we knew Christian Yelich was good and then he became great? Yeah. And out of nowhere, he won the MVP in the month of September 2018. Um, I think that's kind of what we're seeing out of Corbin Burns right now. No matter who you talk to nationally, up until his no hitter, the combined no hitter on Saturday, people would not put him in that number one slot. And the only reason that's justifiable is the fact that he has pitched fewer innings than the other competitors. And he's pitched by about 35 to 40 innings fewer. However, if he keeps going, uh, in his final, what, three starts, whatever it is, and um, I, I think he's probably at the the requirement right now, the minimum requirement to mm-hmm. to be considered. If you're in that group, you're in that group. He's not on the outside looking in. And and that took him, I mean, he had 14 strikeouts. He's made history, you know, at the beginning of the year with his with his 58 straight strikeouts before walk. Um, the 10 straight strikeouts, yep. uh, you know, um, and then and then a combined no hitter. You know, this dude is is doing absolutely everything that you could possibly ask for. And um, I I just think that, to me, he's your front runner right now. He is, you know, I have a hard time saying Max Scherzer was pretty good with Washington this year. And he's been really good with the Dodgers since he went over. But I, I just I just have a hard time giving it to a guy like that at this point. And I don't think 
I don't think Zach Wheeler's a better pitcher than than he is either. I know Adam Wainwright's having a great year too, but he is right now in his career is not a better pitcher than Corbin Burns. And nobody we has shared a, a flow. Nobody has a better flow. Let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, we shared it on the page yesterday with um, with Corbin Burns. It's a bunch of the new age stats. So it's got FIP, which is fielding independent pitching, um, and things like Sierra, which is skill independent pitching, ERA, um, like the K rate, the walks per strikeout, um, all those stats. Corbin Burns is first, second, first, second, first, first, first. I mean – and then, you know, all the things that you said, too, with the, the things that he's doing that haven't been done in Major League Baseball history on top of it. Um, I mean, it's going to end up between him and one of the Dodgers pitchers. And Walker Bueller was the, the front runner in the last, like, polling for Cy Young. But, yeah, right, I mean, right. we'll see what happens with it. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the 2018 Christian Yelich MVP run in September because our next question pertains directly to 2018. And wanted to know what differences you see between this 2021 team and the 2018 team. Um, well, to me, the the most obvious one is the pitching. Uh, 2018, it was it was good, but they had a they had a they had a better offense than this team. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a maybe their balance between pitching and their offense was good. But I think right now you're talking about a great pitching staff, front to bottom, you know, whatever. I mean, they're, you know, between your three all-star pitchers and, you know, what I call, you know, if you put, you know, uh, Lauer and Hauser and, and Brett Anderson, um, I call them the the fearsome threesome at the back end. That's just kind of my thing because I don't, I don't like calling guys back end of the rotation because it, it's like they don't. But they're kind of like a little fearsome threesome because they're they do stuff the other three guys don't, and they have a they have a, a six man staff right now or have for a long time, and they they really complemented each other really well. So um, you put you put three starting pitchers, your and your your catcher and your closer in the All Star game, and. I think the biggest thing for me this year compared to that 18 team is all of the all-stars this year are still all-stars at the end of the year. Mm. The, a lot of the all-stars in 18, not all of them, but you know, that's kind of how all-stars go. You're an all-star for what you did in April, May, June. Let's face it. After that, it doesn't matter. You have the all-star tag on you. And a lot of guys can't keep up that, that um, production man these every single one of these guys has for the brewers so that that's how i would i would say the biggest difference obviously it's it's about pitching um but the guys that you lean on those all-stars that they lean on man they come through they they and they still come through yeah been been very consistent I got to say too i believe that the the mid-season acquisitions that they've acquired this year um, being with um, Hunter Strickland and Eduardo Escobar, um, definitely performing better than than a guy like Jonathan Scope did when they acquired him. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of I kind of laughed that Jonathan Jonathan Scope was even on that uh, was even on that team because it's it man what a tough ride it was for him then and and now he's you know we just saw him with Detroit obviously yep. and I'm yep. now you're playing 
base to top it off. So that position switch went well for you, but not the one with us. But um, yeah, no, you're right about the the acquisitions. Is you know they've been really good. And to be honest with you, I <clears throat> maybe you guys can remember this, but I don't know off the top of my head like who they would have gotten in in the um, in the same structure as uh, Willie Adamas in in May of this year. You know two months into that 2018 season or a month in, I'm not sure who they got then, if anybody, that would have made a difference the way he has too. So their makeup, their, the, the makeup and chemistry of this team um, has been a work in progress. And, um, you know, Eduardo Escobar's fit in really, really, really well. He's a really good dude. Adamas is a really good dude. All these guys are, are just I don't know. They're, they're kind of, they're not even locked in. They're just, you you almost have to say, Hey, here we are. We're just going to do this together. Welcome to the club. You know, if you're new, welcome to the club. You know, we got a good thing going here and we're not bothering each other. No one's bothering us. Let's just go out there and play ball. And, you know, we're going to win the most of our games. You know, you want to be a part of it and man, who doesn't want to be a part of that right now? So, um, you know, and there's a lot of unsung heroes to this year's team, too. I mean, Jace Peterson's an un, unsung hero for sure. Yeah. I think um, I think Manny Pena has had a great mm. set. Yep. I mean, that's been really, really important. Um, you know, Rowdy's done his thing, and, and Vogelback's done his thing. Um, you know, Tyrone Taylor, we talked about him earlier. I mean, he's been really important to this club um in in different spurts and i think quite honestly they've they've missed that outfield depth with him being out too so um and they've you know let's let's face it if you if you look at maybe one downside of the team right now just strictly offensively it's jackie bradley jr and and they've done a pretty good job covering for for his mm-hmm. lack of offense. that that's just this is off the charts it doesn't happen in baseball very often at all what he's going he's going through an entire season slump and i i do feel badly for him because he is one of the greatest outfielders i've seen in my day and he's fun to watch defensively um but offensively it, it, it's just never clicked for him unfortunately but he he still needs to be on the field now you know so but anyway i i went too long on that one i think that's all right no, no, no! You do, you do your thing, man. This is your show. This is your time. Man. So I want to, I want to bring up a, I want to bring up a question that came up in the comments. Our friend Isaac asked, uh, "What are your thoughts on Giannis becoming a Brewers shareholder?" I think it's one of the coolest things ever because nobody predicted it. No one knew it was happening, and I think, I think we're really seeing a side of Giannis. You know, when you win a championship. You can be, it's all about me. I'm leaving town. I'll see you when I need to be back here. I mean, that that's the way it is a lot in the NBA. Um, but man, he stuck around. I mean, he, he left for Greece soon after their, uh, they won the championship and, and came right back. And he's been here ever since. He's going to Chick-fil-A. He's going to Brewer Games. He's taking his kid to Mayfair Mall. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, They're at State uh, Fair? Yeah, State Fair, right? Um and he's buying into the Brewers. Uh, I mean, and he's saying all the right things. You know, I mean, he, 
he's not a person that puts himself um, front and center. He just kind of puts himself out there and says, hey, man, I'm in public with everybody. Let's go shopping together. Let's go to the fair. Let's go to a brewery together. Um, let's do, let's win a championship together, you know. Um, it, it's been, you know, it, it's it's one of the coolest things I've seen. That's for sure. It seemed um, a little more selfless and less showboaty than maybe when Aaron Rodgers bought into the, did his share of the bucks. I mean, he, you know, it, it to me, it's just a, a different feel. That's for sure. Well, when Giannis did his, his interview and being introduced by Mark Adonacio, he talked about how, how he loved that the championship brought the people of the city together. And that's, mm-hmm. I, I you can't ask for a better person to be leading your franchise as well as being how great he is on the court. Yeah, no, and there, there's no doubt. I mean, I mean, he's 26 years old. He's been with the club for eight years now, going on nine years. And when he got here, he was he was only 18, and he was completely alone. It was the first time he was away from his family in Greece. It was the first time he was in another country, um, and and they weren't here yet with him. It took them a good two months, three months to all get over to the United States and into Milwaukee after he came to play for the Bucks, And he, I, I've had a few conversations with him. His birthday was like a month into the season when he turned 19. And he said, this is my first birthday without my mom. And he always called his dad, uh, daddy. It's the first time that, uh, you know, I've been away from them and, and you can just tell it was very heartfelt. And, um, but yet he's a ferocious guy on the court. So, um, he's, he's definitely dedicated here. I think, I think him signing that, you know, five-year extension, um, you know, a little while ago, earlier this year and stuff was, uh, was very meaningful for sure. And I don't think any of us, any of us thought that, that the Bucks would win a championship in, in, in this year, you know, I think we all thought in the next five years, if, if we can get one, maybe two, cause we know he's that good. But he got it now. So to me, look out. I mean, I I don't care about dynasty or anything like that. He could lead this team over and over again. This could be a, a constant, that's for sure. Yeah, if you go to the Wisco Fanatics Facebook page, the first cover photo you'll see is Giannis in a Brewers jersey. Um and it's great. We started this we started this show last September. We're we're inching up on a year, and the first year that we, we covered the Bucks every Wednesday. They win a championship. There you go. Oh, you guys. man. <laughs> I say it was my daughter. My daughter was born the day that the Bucks played game seven in Brooklyn. Is that right? Yes. I watched, I watched the game seven from a hospital room and I, and we were, I was partying with like four nurses in the room after my daughter was born that day. It That's was an amazing cool. feeling. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I was just going to say this about Giannis. The thing about Giannis, he, you know, he brings everybody together the way that he leads. And that's why this championship felt special because it felt like we all won that championship with the way that he talks about the team and the way that he talks about the fans. Like, that's why this one felt different than the Packers. You know, like, it felt like we all won the title. I mean, we don't get the rings, but that's what it felt like to me at least. No, I I, I, I would agree with you on there. And I think, you know, it, it, look, we, we want the Packers to win the Super Bowl. There, yeah. There's no um, but they're so few and far between and they only play one game a week. So you've got your 
four or five, six month season and you're playing once a week and then you're winning a Super Bowl and it's never in your home state, you know, unless you're Tampa, of course, last year. But it's it's the fact I think the thing that really punched the ticket for me to make this um, exactly what you're talking about, like it felt like we all won it together is the fact that the Bucks won at home. I mean, it just doesn't happen in sports very often. Chances are, for whatever reason, when you're winning the championship and clinching it, it is it is on the road. And they won it at home. They had 20,000 people in that arena. They had 100,000 people outside. I mean, it, it, I mean, it felt like, think about how many people that is past normal to be on the grounds and, and have that happen. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. It, it's pretty cool that, you know, we all have a different feeling about, about this Bucks championship. They're, they're, it's beyond special. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, the first thing he does when he walks up to the podium is he puts on a Jim Paschke t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Amazing stuff. He, I mean, that, that, that again shows you how, grounded he is uh to the organization and um you know into the city and just uh he he's a he's a humbled individual and he wants to have a good time and and all that and wants to win and he knows he's one of the best players in the league um but he's very humble uh very very humble i think it's cool i i love that you know he brought his brothers over here and, and for the young guys, he made sure that they got through high school and, and either they went to college or they're in a good spot playing ball overseas right now. Um, he's got two of his other brothers playing in the NBA. He's taking care of his mom. He's got, you know, little Liam already here and another, another uh, child on the way and stuff. And, and he wants to have his kids here and, and live here. And I don't know. I, it's pretty unique, man. It's pretty unique. Sure is. It was actually announced yesterday. Giannis did have his second, did have his second baby. So he has two boys now. Yep. That happened yesterday. Yesterday. Yep. That's cool. I didn't know that. Good for him, man. I'm glad everything worked out. Yep. So we had a question. This is actually from Jake's dad. Uh, what is your your best sports slash Brewers memory ever? Hmm. Boy. <laughs> it's a deep question. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I, I grew up in the state, and uh, when I was in high school and early college, uh, we were a big group of friends of mine. Where we were all ushers over at the ballpark, and it was. Uh, so I'm going to really date myself here, but in 1982, uh, <laughs> they. Uh, they said when we showed up for work, um, they said we need one person to be in. And we had a very bold, almost airline pilot-like um, uniform that we had to wear, including like a police hat. And we were in like and ties. And um, they said we need one person to be in uniform in um, August Bush's family's um, and ownership's box that they built on the warning track adjacent to the St. Louis dugout. And so that's where I spent games three, four, and five. Um, 
I said, well, what, what, what am I supposed to do work-wise down there? Nothing. You have to sit there and watch the game. I'm like, okay. I can. And, uh, and then they had three uh, plainclothes um, police officers in there. And I think the family had maybe a dozen people, 10 people in there. And um, so I got paid to watch the World Series um, basically adjacent to the St. Louis Cardinals dugout and had to bite my tongue several times because the Brewers played really well during that uh, home stretch. So, um, so outside of work, that it almost seems like work-related, but that would be that'd be my coolest thing, you know, up until now as far as the Brewers story goes. All right, Jake, you want to ask your uh... – your other question? We'll keep going. So, is this one's kind of an interesting one. There's a lot of tough decisions that have to be made. So, who might be the surprise exclusion from the postseason roster? Hmm. Well, I think I think Jackie Bradley Jr. is on the bubble. Um, I don't know if that would surprise people or not, but for a guy that's been around all season and has been healthy. Um, uh, I, I would think that there's going to be a surprise pitcher or two. Um, there might be a guy like, like Brett Anderson may not be on and, you know, they can change these from playoff series to playoff series. They can't do it game to game, but they can make adjustments that way. And they, they have before, um, let me think if there would really be any other surprises. Um, I'd say maybe those two guys might be a might be one to watch for, you know. What do you guys think? I think maybe one of the two of either Rowdy Telez or Daniel Vogelbach might get left off just because they do a lot of similar things, and with you know That's without needing a DH, that maybe one of those two might get left off if Eduardo Escobar is going to play a little bit of first base in any playoff games. Yeah, yeah. Although they do need. They, they may need more pinch hitters depending upon how they stack up their their relievers as well too depend but that's a, that's a good call there they are very they're similar guys that's for sure I think it's gonna end up being probably a pitcher they were talking about it during the game today uh, rock and Brian Anderson were talking about it talking about uh, maybe having Hauser in the bullpen and having a lefty you know in the starting as a starting pitcher so kind of mixing that up I don't know we'll have to see but- well I could definitely see Hauser in the bullpen I could definitely see uh, Aaron Ashby in you know in the bullpen and these guys are you know everyone's kind of crying out right now well they're going to need a fourth starter and I'm not arguing that um, but a lot of people think it's got to be a lefty but I'll tell you right now they've they've got some choices I mean if you do like a piggyback start right now and you do yep, Hour and Ashby uh, in Suter or something like that, depending upon you know what kind of a lineup you're facing. Um, this is this is like to me. Oh, I'm so excited for the postseason because this this team, this franchise, never ever ever in any playoff ever been this stacked pitching wise. And and we all know if if you got it, you're probably going to win it. So that's what I'm excited for. We've talked about it a bunch about why the Brewers are so good on the road. And my answer was pitching travels. And I've said that a bunch of times on the show and that 
you know, it transitions perfectly into what our next question was, was your thoughts on Eric Lauer. I mean, you kind of mentioned him a little bit already, but um, the, the Trent Grisham for Eric Lauer and Luis Urias trade has really turned and it seems now in the Brewers favor. Yeah. I mean, there, it, it certainly has. And, and um, I think the, I think the interesting thing about that trade is I think up front, it was pretty clear that the Brewers gave up, you know, major league ready guys. There's no, no doubt about it. And they were, they were getting guys that were, they're going to have to build a little bit with and look what's happened. They've been patient. They've gone through some injuries with these guys, um, position changes, whatever it is like with Urias. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, the, I think the one thing, that I that I think that I am marveled at what you know David Stearns has been able to put together for this team is he's he's just got a blueprint um, and, it, and there's a plan to it and we all don't know what that is sometimes a lot of his trade acquisitions and free agent acquisitions are eye openers in a good way but we don't know about a lot of these players that he's bringing over here but he's got a he's got himself a blueprint for you know, when eventually, and we're not, a, you know, we're not a big market team. We can't necessarily always win right now, but we're pretty doggone close to that. And, and it's been by creativity and it's been by plan. And those two guys came over here from San Diego with a plan and it wasn't to win that particular year with those guys. It was down the road. And, and this is the road now, man. Let's let's take this interstate rate to the World Series, you know. Um, they're, they're more than capable of being guys you can rely on, you know, for some time here in the postseason. Yes, sir. Yeah, and Luis, you know, we, you mentioned Luis Urias. And before we were talking about unsung heroes, and I would say Luis Urias is, is among those unsung heroes for the Brewers this year. He's, um, I'm pretty sure he still leads the team in games played. And he's played three different positions. They had a series against the Nationals just a few weeks ago where he played second base, shortstop, and third base just in those three games. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the versatility, he's had some growing pains as the, some of the throwing error issues, but he's also had some really web gem type plays, and he's still only 23 years old. So I, I, I love me some Luis Urias. Uh, definitely been a fan of his since we've gotten him over. All right, Jake has one more question for you. I'm going to say Tyler was the first on the bandwagon, Luis Urias. I'm just going to say that right now. He was the first on the bandwagon. The conductor of the Luis Urias hype train. So my question, and I want to, I want to know what you honestly think. I want the whole MLB rank. Where would you rank the back of the Brewers bullpen? I'm talking Boxberger, Williams, and Hayter. Because when they come in, it's basically just night-night, you know? Well, I mean, it's – if it's not number one, I, I don't know whose is because you, you're talking about three guys. You're talking about the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think the like I don't think the Dodgers are that confident in their their back end like Milwaukee is. Um, I I don't think the Giants have that production either at this point. Um, you know, short of having stats or something in front of me, I, I, I really, I don't know who else they could. Uh, a lot of struggles that have failed, um, or losing teams like like the Cubs. Craig Kimbrell was really good this year, but it didn't matter if he was pitching for the Cubs or not. 
And then he gets traded away to the White Sox. And and I don't know if he's still struggling, but he struggled to help them out the way he was helping the Cubs. So, you know, I, I think I think when you're talking about this, you're talking about a third of the game. You're talking about the three most important innings for a bullpen to do their job, to produce, to cover, and to win. I mean to tell you, I this is why that they're that they're as good as they are right now. This 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 is a, a big reason why this team is uh, you know predicted to go very very far in the playoffs. You know if they can get five or six innings out of their starters, six if you get six innings in the lead with with Whitty or Burns or, or Freddie, come on now, you're going to win that game, aren't you? That's how you feel. That's how you yeah. feel with this Brewers team. Yep. Yep. I mean, you you only need four runs to win games when you have those guys out there. And oh, that's, that's, yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. Oh, it's great, man. It's great. All right. Well, we want to thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us. And uh, uh, definitely enjoyed your answers to the questions we brought up for you. So definitely want to thank you for, for taking the time to join us. And uh, go Brewers. Yeah, thank you, Chris. It was fun. Uh, it was fun. I'm, I'm glad you're doing something like this. It's uh, it's it's great to talk locally about teams, and I'm glad you're you've gone live and you decided to do that route too. I think that's a pretty cool avenue. So, congrats, uh, and I hope uh, you keep building uh, what you're doing here right now, and uh, we can have some fun down the road again. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, fellas. See you later. See you Take later, care. Man. Gosh, that was awesome, man! <laughs> Sorry, live reaction. Didn't mean to. Do I that. know, I know. I was like, I was like, oh, that was really nice. Kishan just said that. Oh, that felt nice. <laughs> wow, that was cool. All right, so uh, before I know, I gotta, yeah, I gotta. All right, before we switch over to Craig, I wanted to bring up um, an article that I read from the Athletic. Uh, breaking down some of the the stuff and the location of why the Brewers pitching has been as good as it has been. And it really gave me some good insight on a guy like Jake Cousins. Um, so looking at it, this is just pitches and where guys on the Brewers rank in the league, all, all Major League Baseball. This isn't just the NL. This is all of Major League Baseball, where some of the Brewers pitchers rank in Major League Baseball. This isn't going to shock anybody, but Corbin Burns has the number one cutter in baseball. Not surprising. It's it's his pitch. That's his hallmark pitch. It's also not going to surprise anybody that Devin Williams has the number one changeup in baseball. Yep. <laughs> this is okay. So this is this is where we get. So the art the author of this article, Eno Saris, praised Jake Cousins heavily in this article based on stuff and location. Now. Jake Cousins, this is this is so nuts. So, like I said, it's based on release point, extension, velocity, spin rate, and movement of pitches. So those five five categories create stuff plus. Jake Cousins has the second best stuff plus in all of baseball. Not shocked, really, really not shocked. He's got the eighth slider in all of baseball, and the eighth ranked sinker in. all all of baseball. Wow. So Jake Cousins just coming out of nowhere, just casually having some of the best stuff in all of baseball. 
maybe we need to start uh, giving a shout out to the Brewers pitching coach. When do we start doing that? The actually in like the first paragraph of this article, he breaks down actually in another article that he co-wrote uh, about the Brewers being the best in uh, minor league and major league baseball in developing um, developing velocity. Then they mentioned Brandon Woodruff, who when he was in college at Mississippi State had a fastball that was in the 88 to 92 mile an hour range. And now we all know that he's throwing upper 90s. Yeah. And then you mentioned a guy like Josh Hader, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, all those guys throw in the upper 90s. Um, but back to this, um, Josh Hader, number 11 fastball in baseball. Uh, this is actually a little surprising. Brent Suter has the number 16 fastball in all of baseball. But that, that factors in with, with his release point, his velocity, the spin rate, um, and then the movement. Um, <clears throat> Corbin Burns, number two in stuff as a starter. So that's all of, all of those things combined. Um, that's the fourth best curveball in all of baseball as a starter. So Corbin Burns, I mean, we know his sinker. He's got a slider, uh, his cutter. But his curveball is actually fourth best in all of baseball. Uh, Brandon Woodruff is the fourth best in location as a starter. Freddie Peralta has the number 11 curveball in all of baseball. And this is all based on those five categories between stuff and location. Um, the Brewers as a team have the number four, four seamers. This is all the pitchers collectively. Number four and four seamers, number four in changeups. Number one cutter by far, like not even close. Um, obviously, Corbin Burns has a lot to do with that. Um, and then the last thing I want to bring up with this article um, was the author gave a lot of credit to the Brewers going modern with tech and data in their uh, their evaluations of pitchers and stuff. And this is according to um, Stats Perform. This is Josh Hader. The Brewers are 178 and 45 in games that Josh Hader has appeared in. That is the fifth highest record in the modern era since 1960. Holy shit. With a minimum of 200 appearances. Wow. So if Josh Hader's coming to pitch a game, you have about the fifth best chance in Major League Baseball since 1960 to win games. Take those, <laughs> <laughs> Take those odds. So, so all the stuff that I just said. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Josh Hader's really good. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the big takeaway. Is Josh Hader's really good. Dude, it's really crazy because when you see him in person, I said this last week. When you see him in person, he's just a scrawny little dude with long hair. He comes in, he just pumps that baby up there and strike three. You're like, what the hell just happened? Just <laughs> up by this 15 year old. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about let's talk about the series finale against the Phillies before we talk about the Indians. Yes, sir. So that game, Escobar. I mean, I wrote down some some key notes for for these games. They only had a couple games this week. They had a couple off days. A little refreshing. Yep. They're um, off tomorrow too. Yeah, the Indian series is going to be fun to talk about. But yeah. All right, let's let's speed through this Phillies game. Yeah, this, the the finale. 
They used six pitchers. They gave up five hits, three earned, three runs, only one earned. Um, Escobar had a homer in the sixth inning to take the lead. And you know what happens after that? Boxberger, Williams, Hayter. We just talked about it with Craig Kishon. They really just lock shit down, man. When you see one of those in, your your chances are very minimal because they're just the best in the game for seven, eight, nine. I would I would rank them as number one too. Not trying to be homer or biased, but that's where I would rank them. Uh, Brewers ended up winning four to three, so they moved on. They had the off day in the ninth, and there it is. All right, so the bullpen five and a third innings, scoreless. Ashby at two innings, he got the win. Um, yep. One one thing that kind of bothered me a little bit was they left eight men on base in that game. Um, the first game of the Indian series, they left eight men on base in that game as well. Um, the last thing I want to mention before we move, um, actually two things. One is this was uh, post-game, Craig Council was talking, his big takeaway from Freddie Peralta's innings was that he's uh, he's, that he's healthy. And watching watching Freddie Peralta pitch in that game and then re-watching some of the, the highlights and stuff and seeing Freddie Peralta, his velocity seemed a lot better in that game. And then Obviously, he pitched yesterday, and he pitched really well. But the last thing I want to bring up is Hayter came in at the end of that game, and to make the last out, Luis Urias made a diving play at shortstop on a really hard-hit line drive. So this was a this was statted out. This was from Brewers Stats on Twitter. Oh, I, you know I got the stats. You know I, I got them. About that, that diving catch. That's what I was saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know I got the stats for you. I got a really good stat from that hit. So this is from Brewers Stats on Twitter. Is on that play that play has a hit expectancy of 0.79. So 79% of the time that ball is expected to be a hit. That's an incredible play then. And Luis Urias made it. It's a one in five chance of making that play, and Luis Urias did it. Wow, very nice. All right, let's get to the juicy stuff. Let's talk about the Indian series. We got to talk about one game before we move into the crazy game. So let's talk about game one of that series. All right, so game one, I mean, you said you said the stat they left eight men on base in this game, but they still end up scoring ten runs, uh, yeah. mainly because Escobar had two home runs and Lorenzo Cain ended up hitting a grand slam. Um, but I wanted to point out, you know, Adrian Hauser, again, six innings pitch, one hit, five Ks. The one problem with his stat line is the five walks. We talk about walks all the time. You really, really hit the hammer on the head all the time with the walks, just like you did with basketball with turnovers and – Tyler, Tyler has his niches, you know, and, and walk <laughs> is, is, is one. So uh, other than the walks, Hauser, another great game. And, you know, when they were talking today, I said it when we talked to Craig, uh, they were talking about p- putting Hauser in the bullpen because when you get into a pinch in the playoffs, you need a ground ball, he's the guy you're going to bring in because he's a great ground ball pitcher. Or suitor. Yeah, or suitor. But, you know, other than that, Grand Slam, Escobar, two home runs. I mean, he had a little bit of a power surge there. He had a homer, you know, against the Phillies the last game, and then two home runs against the Indians the next game. So, yeah, Brewers ended up winning 10-3 to in this game. They really smacked the Indians around for three straight games. It's really what they did. Yeah, they, they left all their runs in that series and didn't leave any for the Detroit series. Yeah. Um, so uh, there was a kind of a confusing play. I just wanted to basically kind of explain it. Um, Colton Wong got scored on a catcher's interference. Um, basically what that issue was, was the catcher took his mask and covered up the ball. And because he, he covered up the blight, it was a live ball. And because he covered it with his mask, that's a, it's like an interference type play. So that's why Colton Wong was able to score on that play. Um, 
You already mentioned the two home runs. Um, Eduardo Escobar almost hit a third home run in that game, too. He hit one of the warning track that was a step away from the fence. So it's um, just a step away from a third home run in that game, too. Um, Lorenzo Kane, I know I said it a couple weeks ago. I don't think there's anybody that has more swagger when they hit home runs than Lorenzo Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. He, he slung it, and then he flipped the bat. That was the quickest bat flip of all time, by the way. I spun like a helicopter rotor. It was awesome. <laughs> um, Avi Garcia, Omar Narvaez, Luis Urias, Rowdy Telez all had two hits in that game. Um, Rowdy Telez is unfortunately on the 10-day injured list. He was diving back into a base, and I don't know if it's uh, all of his weight just kind of came down on himself or what, but um, Rowdy Telez is on the 10-day injured list. Like we talked about with Craig Kishan, the Brewers have the benefit of being able to be overcautious with guys. So – that's that's good for that. Yes, sir. All right. Um, in this game, Hauser, he was pitching well. It's just the only things that he got in trouble with, five walks. Yeah. If he can keep those walks down, you can see what happens when, when he does, and then you get a, a game like last Saturday when he threw a complete game shut up. Yeah. That's what you can get. Um, Cousins threw a scoreless inning. John L. Gustave – Two hits and an earned run. Hunter Strickland, a scoreless ninth inning. Um, Luis Urias, it seems like this is two. He has games where he's error-prone at times, but it seems like every time he makes a big error, he just comes in and just casually launches like a monster home run. <laughs> he just makes up for it, man. He's a good guy. You make that's exactly, that's that's up, exactly right? what I have written in my notes. Is Urias seems error-prone at shortstop at times, but then makes a nice – he did. He made a nice short hop play, actually, in the inning after that and then hits a two-run home run to make up for it. Hey, I'm okay with that. I'll trade an error for a two-run homer. <laughs> I mean, especially if the error doesn't end up costing you any runs. Yeah, right. I should have said that part. My bad. That's what I'm here for, man. <laughs> Great. All right. You're, All right. You're the good half. I'm the bad half. I'm the error half. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the no-hitter. Let's do it. Yeah, so second ever no-hitter in Brewers history. You should all know that. Um, ninth no-hitter this year in Major League Baseball. That's an MLB record. Now, I saw this, and I wanted to say this this part of the stat. Breaking the record set when pitches started to throw overhand in 1884. That's the record that MLB Baseball pitchers broke this year. That is insanity. And then Plesak, pitcher for the Indians. The Indians have been hit three times. He was the starting pitcher three all three of those games. All three. Yep. That sucks. He has a 10-5 record, and three of his five losses, his team got no hit. Man, that guy that guy could be, you know, having a great year. We don't know. But obviously we know it was Burns and Hayter, and the one walk from Burns, you know, took out the perfect game. But other than that, man. That was honestly an incredible game, incredible moment to see. Corbin Burns is going to win the Cy Young. I think he's going to sneak in there. I'm going to give a little sneak peek to next week. But, yeah, that was a crazy, crazy game. What do you got for me? Actually, you know that uh, Zach Plesak is actually the nephew of former Brewer Dan Plesak? That makes sense, but I did not know that. (laughs) You teach me back. That's how we do this. All right. Yep. Here we go. All right, so Burns knew that he wasn't coming back out for that ninth inning. Craig Council said it a whole bunch of times that his pitch count was higher than he was comfortable with, and it was 
set around town to that um, had the Brewers not been in a playoff race, thinking about October and beyond, that maybe they would have let him go out for that. 115 pitches at his career high, 115 pitches. So that's the right move to take him out. Honestly, I was a little surprised they even let him go out for the eighth inning because he was already at 104, I believe. Um, but I mean, if you know, if he gets a quick one, two, three, you know, if he manages a three pitch inning, which I don't think the Indians were going to let happen, um, that maybe he gets to go out for the ninth. But um, I talked about it. I mentioned it when we were on with Craig Sean that Burns and Hader are like best friends, not just in the in the clubhouse, but actually in real life, they're like really good friends. Um, so the fact that they were able to do that together was actually like a source of pride for them that they were able to do that together. Um, tied his career high, 14 strikeouts. Um, struck out seven of the first nine batters that he faced. And um, I think I'm pretty sure that he struck out everybody in the lineup at least once. Wow. So Corbin Burns is dealing. And that's, that's in the AL too, where there's DH and not just facing the pitcher. He's just he just sit down, sit down, sit down. That's that's a quarter burn this, Mr. Sit down. Um Omar Narvaez was talked to after the game and he said he was talking to Manny Pena in the dugout um about the challenges of catching in this game because Corbin Burns cutter had so much movement on it, it was like a slider at ninety six or ninety seven miles an hour. Jeez. That's how much his cutter was moving. Jesus Christ. <laughs> So I got I got this screen behind me. I'm kind of it's a kind of a work in progress here, but um, I might have to pull up some some pitching ninja of of Corbin Burns and maybe some of Devin Williams um, and, and play those for everybody, so you can just see how much these pitches move and at the speed that they move, that it's just game over for hitters. That it's you're just you're just not touching. Them. Really, Tyler got that screen so we could show Steve the score of the Bears-Packers game when we beat the shit out of the Bears. Actually, we have we have one more update. It's a we had a, a pie bet update. I'll tease that. I won't put the stats up there yet. <laughs> I'll save that for when we get to the Packers. Um, I wanted to praise a couple guys on the hitting. Um, Daniel Volgebach, he's doing a very very good job of hitting to left field. He takes what the pitchers give him, and he, he goes to the left side often, and he does it well. So I want to give Daniel Vogelbach some credit, and we posted it on the page. If you didn't already see it, when I say low, you say Kane. Low? Kane. Yes. His last eight games, he's batting 346, seven runs scored, three home runs, 10 RBI, and a 1,200 OPS. That's on base plus slugging. Lorenzo Kane is is doing great and then you have him and Jackie Bradley Jr. playing defense in center field. Craig Council said it before the season. They were looking to prevent runs and they were looking to have good defense. And they definitely do that with their pitching and their defense. Yeah. Um Luis Urias made some more nice defensive plays in this game. So it's always encouraging to see that. Um it'd be nice to see him build some confidence and and string a bunch of games um Error free heading into the playoffs to have his confidence at his uh, at its highest. Um, I got to say it was fun to watch. It's fun to see the Brewers throw the no hitter, and it's if you know if you don't want to count it because it was combined, that's on you. It still counts towards the major league record that Jake mentioned. So um, it's fun to watch. 
It's fun to watch. Yeah, this this was a great series as a Brewers fan. You get 10 runs, you get the no-hitter, and then the final game, you get the 11 runs with just home runs everywhere. That final almost got another was, no-hitter. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that final game was incredible, man. Let's, uh, let's move on to that one. I got some interesting stats for you for this game, by the way. So, you want me to start, or are you going to drop your stats first? I'm going to drop my stats. I, I want to All see right, do it. I, mean, I was excited for this game. I was excited for this game. So, this game, Brewers won 11-1. to uh, Wong had two homers. He had one in the first, one in the eighth. He has 13 on the year. Six of his 13 homers are on the road. That's interesting. Garcia, two homers. He had it in the third and the eighth. He had a monster bomb. His his one in the eighth was a monster. Four hundred. Dude, did you know that the the first one that he hit is still rolling? <laughs> I know you shared that stat with us. Uh, <laughs> so Garcia, twenty seven homers on the year, fifteen of them on the road. So it's like they don't get worse on the road. This is the this is the part. The pineapple power. I don't even write his real name though. Just pineapple power. He hit one in the third. His tenth of the year. Eight of his of his ten home runs are on the road. The Brewers are literally just better on the road. They hit, like, half of their home runs are on the road. Their pitching is amazing on the road. I don't know what it is. They just don't look... You know what it is? I figured it out. I figured it out in this moment right now. <laughs> they are mad that it's called American Family Field as well. That's why they play bad there. They wanted to go back to Miller Park. I just figured it out right now. <laughs> you know the most interesting thing? I don't think I've ever seen this. First of all, the game was 11-1. to I saw that Ashby got credited with a save. Yep. A three-inning save. Because he that pitched is, the last three innings. That is crazy. That is that's, crazy. Why, that's why saves can be – saves is one of those stats that is eventually going to die with old baseball, and they're going to come up with new ways to track things like that yeah. um, about late-inning late inning work, and that's why um, – that's why I go out of my way to praise guys like Hunter Strickland and Brad Boxberger for getting out of jams in, in like the seventh and eighth inning, because those can be higher leverage situations at times. If you come in, say, say Adrian Hauser started a game, he pitches six and a third innings and you're in the top of the seventh inning and you come in with two guys on base in a one run game and nobody out. It can be harder to work out of that situation where you have two guys on and nobody out to not allow any runs than it is to be Josh Hader and come in with a three, nothing lead in the bottom of the ninth inning and finish a game off with nobody on base. You're not wrong. I like that. They need to, I like that. I like that. I don't know what, I'm, what they need to come up with, but that is a very interesting point. That was good stuff. That's, okay. that's what I'm here for. I listened, I listened to one book by Keith law and then all of a sudden I hate, Wins and pitcher wins and ERA and state. <laughs> I'm ready for all the new statistics, obviously, by all the you know the athletic article that I ran through before we started. Um, so you mentioned the 11 to 1 win. Um, Eric Lauer carried a no hitter through five and a third innings in this game. So that with the no hitter the night before, Josh Hader didn't give up any hits in the 10 to 3 win. The Brewers went 15 and a third consecutive no hit innings as a team. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and just by just the starters went 23 straight no hit innings. If you go back to Adrian Hauser's start in the 10 to 3 win, 
because he allowed a hit in the first inning of hers, his first game and then didn't allow any hits for the rest of his. Yeah, I agree, Isaac. That was kind of out of nowhere. It was – all right. So uh, our buddy Isaac commented, said, uh, made a bad pun. Ryan Braun's retirement was out of left field. <laughs> I'll give him credit for the pun. Um, I did have it written down to talk about it. Um, but there was a lot of questions. Is, is Ryan Braun going to come back? Is he going to come back? I didn't ever really think he was. It didn't seem like it was something he was interested in. Um, but Ryan Braun retired. Um, he'll be, I think it's September 26th. That they're going to have like a Ryan Braun day and uh, give him like a farewell. But um, you mentioned the two home runs by Colton Wong. Um, set his career high this year. Colton Wong is now at a career high. For home runs. So that's two Brewers, Avi Garcia and Colton Wong, both at their career high in home runs. I don't know what's going on in Milwaukee, but it smells like championship. <laughs> that's all I know. All right. Ashby, three innings, only gave up one hit, five strikeouts. You mentioned he got the save because he had the, the last three innings of a game, so that's why he gets the save. Um Eric Lauer, five and a third, three hits, one earned run, only one walk, eight strikeouts. So Eric Lauer, not really a strikeout guy, just casually throws eight strikeouts. Um, Let's see, what else do I have for this one? Um, I did want to, yes, shout out Manny Pena for always staying ready. Uh, He's had some stints on the 10 day injured list. He's had a long stretches where he hasn't played. Omar Narvaez is an all-star, so you want him in the lineup as often as possible. But when you're facing some left-handed pitching, you can throw Manny Pena in there, and he'll just come in and hit dingers. Um, it was a triple shy of the cycle in this game, actually. Um, he's been on base prior to this Detroit series. He was on base 10 of his 19 um, last plate appearances, or he was on base 10 of his last 19 plate appearances. So Manny Pena just getting on base. And Luis Urias and Jace Peterson also two hits each. Nice. Man. They definitely left the offense in Cleveland. It's all they play. sure did. Yeah. That's so it's nice to talk about them in Cleveland. It's less nice to talk about them in Detroit. We're just gonna kind of run through these games quick. It's not indicative of what the rest of the season is gonna be like. Um it's just like they had the two game series with Kansas City where they dropped the two games and whatever, we just move on. So um, we're going to speed through these two so that we don't have to talk about them next week. And we can start fresh with a three-game series against the Cubs, and then they start a four-game series with St. Louis on Monday. So um, let's just talk about these two Detroit games real quick, and then we'll move on to the Packers. Um, all I've written down is that they lost 1-0, to zero, uh, gave up a hit in the 11th inning, and they left the offense at Cleveland. I literally wrote that in my notebook. <laughs> So the first the first game of the series, the one nothing loss. Um, <laughs> this is fun because we get to make fun of Detroit teams in this segment. Um, <laughs> so the Brewers faced actually former Brewer Willie Peralta. Uh, Freddie Peralta was dealing before the rain delay, and that's where we're going to make fun of Detroit. But before we do that, I'm going to mention Freddie Peralta. Six innings pitched, two hits, nine strikeouts. <sighs> All right, here we go. That's the ninth time this season that Freddie Peralta has pitched six innings and given up two hits or less. The ninth time 
that ties the most in Major League Baseball for a single season with Justin Verlander, who did it in 2019 and won the Cy Young Award. Wow. There's your stat of the day, baby. I thought I was going to have it. That was a good stat, buddy. <laughs> so, Freddie Peralta is doing Cy Young Award winning things, and he's not even the best pitcher on his team. Yikes. And then try to tell me that Corbin Burns doesn't deserve a Cy Young. Just because we'll get into that next week. I'm ready for that. Yeah. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna do Cy Young next week. All right. So this is where this is where we're gonna make fun of Detroit because there's a two hour rain delay in this game, which forced Freddie Peralta out of the game. He was only at 71 pitches, but he's obviously not gonna pitch after a two hour rain delay. Their football stadium has a roof, but the baseball stadium doesn't. Make it make sense. Yeah, that really doesn't make sense. You would think it'd be opposite, right? <laughs> you would think it would. You would think it'd be opposite. But Detroit's gonna Detroit, so we put a we put a dome on our football field, and we're just gonna let it pour on the baseball field. Yeah, that's weird. I never thought I never thought about that. That's, <laughs> that's pretty weird. Thanks. Detroit, All right. That's what I'm here for, man. Um, Josh Ader loaded the bases in the in the ninth inning, three walks, and then three strikeouts to get out of it. So Josh Hader just doing his thing. Um, Hunter Strickland did take the loss in this game, but between Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams, Josh Hader, Jake Cousins, all scoreless innings. Uh, Brad Boxberger, two strikeouts in his three outs. Devin Williams struck out the side in the inning that he was in, and Josh Hader struck out the side in the inning that he was in. So out of nine outs from those three, eight of them were strikeouts. It seems you mentioned a couple weeks ago that it seems like a lot of Wisconsin teams played down to their competition, and it definitely seemed like that's what the Brewers were doing. Yeah. Um, They lost four to one today. Brandon Woodruff was off to a really nice start pitching today after he was scratched from Sunday's game. Um, The first run scored was off of a walk, and then the fifth inning was rough for him. After that, he came out. He went one, two, three in the sixth. Um, it was just really the one inning that hurt uh, Brandon Woodruff. Um, Luis Urias, Chase Peterson, and um, Lorenzo Cain were the only ones with hits in today's game. So did you, you said it that they left the offense in Cleveland, and that was true. Did you read any of the comment section on the game today? No. <laughs> I had a laugh at one comment because one guy said, seems like the bottom of the AL Central is our daddy, huh? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, it kind of does seem like that. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunately true, but they have another off day tomorrow, and then they play three games against the Cubs this weekend. Um, Courtney and I will be there on Friday night, so uh, the last of the four-pack that she got me for Christmas. So we will be there on Friday night. Um, you got anything else, Brewers, before we move on to Packers? No, nah, man. Craig Kishon, uh was breathing a lot of a lot of passion and energy for Brewers playoff baseball. Man, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, that was awesome. I really enjoyed having Craig Kishon on. <clears throat> <laughs> Isaac likes it. Yeah, we'll we'll pick on Nick. Don't worry, Isaac. We'll pick on. Nick. <laughs> we we gotta have Nick on the show when the when the NBA season starts because he owes us a pie. He owes us a pie. He was talking all that smoke. He was talking all that smoke. I'm ready. He's coming on. Don't worry about it. Pick the 76ers over the Bucks. It doesn't matter with you. 
Yeah, come on, man. Ben Simmons, bro. Ben Simmons. Get out of here, dog. Ben Simmons. Don't ever come at me with a team with Ben Simmons ever again. But you got me going now. You see that thing with Kyrie Irving? You see that thing with Kyrie Irving today? No. I don't pay attention when Kyrie Irving talks. No, there was just a report that said there's. it was from Nick Wright. And he, he sent out a tweet, but then he, he, like, cropped it and shared it on Instagram. And it said that there's a, a lot of people calling the Nets about trading for Kyrie and that a lot of the trades make sense. And Kyrie's agent said that if he's traded from the Nets, he'll simply just retire from the NBA. You know what that tells me? You are a big front runner, baby. Go over there with your third eye, you freaking weirdo. I don't want to talk about Kyrie anymore. That just pissed me off. You're making all that money to play a game, and man, he's no, can't, can't be bothered to show up. Yeah, he's a, that's that's just weak as hell for me. I lost a lot of respect for Kyrie Irving this last year. I'll tell you that right now. And I, he was one of my favorite players. I will still, I still love watching him, but golly, man, he's just so mentally weak, man. It's sad. Almost as weak as the Packers on Sunday. All right, before we get into the Packers, we got one more pie bet to talk about. I'm going to flash the stats behind me because it's funny because Jake had the worst. <laughs> yeah, more pie for Jake. All right, so. It is what it is, man. It is what it is. All right, so we announced it last week. We're going to do pie bets for Pick'ems. So this was Jake's dad's idea. Um, we're going to do Pick'ems every week. We'll post the updates every week. Um, picking the NFL games. If you want to play alongside of us, you're welcome to. Um, let us know, and we'll see what happens. But after one week, Pat had the most right. I was in the middle, and Jake had seven correct out of 16. So kind of rough for Jake, so he's off to a slow start. I'm just going to say it was a weird week one, and my dad got lucky, okay? My dad got very lucky. That's all I'm going to say. Pat, you're going down. I've never called him Pat before, but you're going down. <laughs> I call him Goat Net because my last name's Net, but. Call him go net. That's a long story short. I am very much in the mindset of talking about the Packers right now because I'm still pissed. I'm still All right, pissed. Let's do it. Let's do it. Are you ready? All right, do it. Here's the recap. One for ten on third down. Our defensive line was horrible, and our offensive line was freaking worse. Hold on. You said one for ten. One for ten on third down. Jordan Love converted the only one. Yep, I was going to get there. That was at the end of my rant. All right, sorry. It's okay. It's okay. We're a team. We do this together. One percent on third down. Rodgers didn't get a single one of those son of a bitches. All around terrible game. Literally all around terrible game. Aaron Rodgers was our worst player on our team. He looked like he didn't give a shit. I do not want to hear you talk all this talk. And he didn't say anything. So I'm not directly going at Aaron Rodgers. And I'm glad that he took ownership. After the game. That's what leaders do, right? You mess up, you take ownership. LaFleur did he it was, too. He was the worst player. Yeah, LaFleur. I like LaFleur's you know, comments. His quote. He was the worst player on the field. After everything that happened. After, oh, I might retire. All oh, this, all oh, this. He's going to get traded this, 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 this. It was the longest offseason of my entire life. And this is what happens when you show up. And then you're smiling and smirking. And I get it. Relax. We got a lot of games. It's week one. And I feel that too. Because I'm, I'm the one being the voice of reason for a lot of people, you know? And ever since we started the show and 
me and you started talking more. I started taking a little bit more of your mindset because I used to be a little bit more overreaction-y. But now I, I chill a little bit more, you know? But one yeah, rubbing off on you a little bit. It's a good thing, man. You're a good dude. You're a great guy. One thing, I want to bring up the other Aaron because he had five attempts for nine yards. He had a three-yard run. That means he had four other rush attempts for six yards. Do you know how freaking awful that is? That is terrible. Offensive line really needs to get a push. And if they don't, because our our game is really, really predicated around the run. It really is. Jamal Williams was great in our offense last year. He did a lot of great things for us. And we get to see him on Monday night, you know. We'll talk about that in a sec. But if, if we can't run the ball, we're not going to be able to pass the ball. All those play action runs, the misdirections, the jet sweeps, none of that matters unless we can run the ball. So I wrote down the O-line was worst. As a position group, they need to step up. I understand that we don't have Bakhtiari, but one player really shouldn't make that much of a difference, even if he is the best at his position. Especially when you have Elton Jenkins to fill in. And, like, Yeah, Elton Jenkins did a fine job. It was everywhere else that was the problem. I'm still not sold on, on um, Billy Turner. I don't know why they nope. – everybody loves that guy. keeps bringing him back, but I'm just pissed. It's one game. It is what it is. Um, I didn't get to finish watching Roger's interview on the Pat McAfee show this week, but, you know, when he was talking on there, he's just – he's always calm, cool, and collected. And I like that to a point. Every once in a while, I want to see him get pissed off and light a fire under somebody's ass, you know? There's not one person to really blame in this game. It was kind of just a team effort, but that was – and I'm going to swear, so put your earmuffs on your kids. That was fucking ridiculous. We did not wait that many months, that many days, that many hours to see us lose a tough NFC Championship game for the second year in a row to see that. It is what it is. It's week one, but I just want to say that that's ridiculous. And that's that's something I said is it kind of seemed like basically uh, preseason week four. James, I will say if there was a a game that the Packers were going to lose for a moral reason – I would be fine with it being the Saints after hurricane issues. I mean, that's if that's something that helps people out, then more power to them and credit to the Saints for playing a good game. I want to make this comparison because I believe that it's something that people will understand being Wisconsin sports fans. The Saints, their game plan was the Wisconsin Badgers game plan. Yeah. It was run the ball, play defense, and control the clock. Damn see another another guest appearance by the cat. <laughs> uh, this is sushi, everybody. This is uh, the only cat I've ever liked in my life. Even though my nickname was Cat in high school, um, only cat I've ever liked in my life. She will not leave me alone today, so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> All right, back to football. Um, so Saints using the Badgers game plan. The Packers only had one possession in the first quarter, and it seemed very out of sync. Um, not a lot of pre-snap motion in this game, which was something that we talked about a lot last year was who's playing the Tyler Irvin role. Who's moving around in the offense. There was not much pre-snap motion in this game. So that's, that's something where LaFleur said, you know, it's on me for not having these guys ready to play. That's something that was omitted from, seemed like it was omitted from the game plan in this game that they did a lot of last year when they were the league's best offense. 
Yeah. You know, going back to Jane's comment, I'm okay with that too. If they're gonna if they're gonna lose a game, you know, for moral reasons, I'm okay with that too. But I want to see some damn fight. The Packers literally looked like they didn't give a crap all day. The defense was getting pushed around. We were going two man fronts all damn day. Of course they're gonna run the ball. You're gonna get a center who's 300 pounds on a linebacker that maybe weighs 240. What the hell do you think is gonna happen with that? Six yards every play. Five yards, right? Man, ah. Sean Payton is a great coach. I will never say mm-hmm. that. Again. I have it written on offense and on defense that they were all coached. Yeah, he, he yeah, they they whooped our tails. No way around it. They they beat the brakes off us and they did not let up. I gotta say, our best player in this game was probably our punter. I said that too. He put one inside the 20. We couldn't say that last year, right? <laughs> he had some nice punts. I gotta say that. It's it's refreshing, I guess, that there was that was that. Um, we'll see if we can score a touchdown this week and go from there. Uh, Josiah Deguara has a concussion now, so kind of doubtful that he plays next week. Um, it was just really rough, and Isaac just said Joe Barry didn't know what he was doing. I'm going to probably give it four or five games before I make a decision on if I think Joe Barry was a good hire or not. Uh, what I will say is I, I talked about being the linebacker whisperer, because he's done great things in his past with linebackers like Corey Littleton and Derek Brooks. It didn't show that he was a linebacker whisperer in week one. All of the linebackers were a step late. Every single play, the linebackers were a step late. The Packers front seven was terrible in this game. Packers secondary is decent, but when you get no pressure on the quarterback, it doesn't matter if you can if you can cover well because you give six, seven seconds to a quarterback, he's going to find somebody open eventually, and it's going to be a giant tight end who's being covered by Adrian Amos in the back of the end zone twice. Right. The front seven, awful. Lancaster and Lowry, I'm perfectly fine just pushing them aside and putting in Heflin and Kingsley Kiki and having Tadaro Slayton back up whoever. Lancaster and Lowry are not the answers. I've said Lowry is serviceable, but you need to have somebody on the other end because Lancaster is absolutely useless. Yeah, Lancaster's got to go, man. Your Lowry's, cut. Lowry is average at best, and Lancaster is completely cuttable. Yeah, Lancaster's just terrible. He's just terrible. You know, I will say, it comes down to scheme a little bit. That's why I kept bringing, on the, bringing up the two-down linemen because – at some point, you have to bring in a heavy set, you know? You have to bring the big boys in. And, you know, we, we brought back, like, the NASCAR look again, which I like, but it didn't work. It, did, it didn't work, you know? so. And the one time that Rashawn Gary had a chance to have pressure, like Jameis Winston just outran him to the sideline and gained a bunch yeah, of yards. Yeah, that, that pissed me off, really. That's kind of when I got the feeling of, like, oh, shit, Saints are kind of here to play. There was a one pass in the first half. Jameis Winston has so much time, I'm pretty sure he could have experimented being a left-handed quarterback. <laughs> That's how bad our pass rush was. He was standing there, and he was just like, all right, man, well, eventually one of these Packer guys is just going to not cover, so I'm just going to throw it to that guy. I'm going to look at number 20. Where is he? Oh, he's five yards away from him? Oh, cool. I'm going to throw it to that guy. Thank you for the segue. I'm going to bring it up. I found this photo today. And it was from Pro Football Focus. I know we're not the biggest fans. But they did grades on Kevin King and Eric Stokes 
for their grades for the game. Kevin King got a 46.8, and Eric Stokes had a 79.3. If that doesn't scream to your coaching staff, like, uh, yeah, out of everything bad that happened, Eric Stokes still looked good, I don't know what does. Here's the stat right here. There's their ratings. Kevin King, that experiment, it's got to be done. It's got to go. I'm sick of it. So he gave up. He gave up another long touchdown, and the fact that people are trying to defend him by saying he's supposed to have safety help over the top. Kevin King was step for step with that wide receiver, 25, 30 yards down the line, but he was five yards away from him, and then just let him run by him. It's literally the exact same thing as the NFC Championship game, except he was he had a big cushion to start the play. Stayed with him, and then just let him run by. Like, what are you guard? The sideline's not catching a pass. Why are you not paying attention to the wide receiver who's right next to you? And then you let him run by you and score another long touchdown. The difference is, if you put Eric Stokes in that situation, he has the speed to catch up to that ball. Yep. Put Eric Stokes in. Just get rid of Kevin King. Get whatever you can for him. If you're going to play Stokes, this if you're going to start him, this is the week right here. You're at home. Give him, you're against the Lions. It's time. It's they don't time. use their wide receivers. Like you have a chance to give him confidence by doing well against a team that doesn't use their wide receivers. Yeah, their offense a, passing. You know? Their passing offense is Hawkinson and then Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. Well, they threw a Cephas quite a bit last week, actually. But other than that, I mean, Quintez Cephas just wanted to give my man a shout out. <laughs> All right. Um, Tim said it already in the comments. We, Jake and I were talking about it before the show even started. <sighs> this irritated the hell out of me because it was the one play where the Packers had a chance to take back some momentum was the interception that Darnell Savage made. And then a really late flag came in on a roughing the passer penalty yeah. on a textbook. Like Zadarius Smith did everything you're supposed to do. He was within two steps. He only had one more step to go to the quarterback, so he wasn't stopping his momentum. There's nothing wrong with that play. He turned his head away. His shoulder hit Jameis Winston's shoulder. There was no helmet-to-helmet contact. He was within the two steps from the throw. But just because Zadarius hit him hard, like he didn't land his weight on top of him, which is the other thing you can't do. But there, that was perfectly clean. Even the announcers were like, that is textbook for how you tackle a quarterback. I think I'm most pissed that they took away a sweet-ass highlight for Darnell Savage. And, and that was the only chance that the Packers had to really gain some momentum back. And then right away, New Orleans scores a touchdown. Yeah. Was that the, the, was that the drive that they hit the first touchdown to the tight end? No. I don't remember. I think it was... Was it 23 to 3 at that point or something like that? Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to respond to James real quick. Yes, Deontay Harris is a fast guy. But all we heard about when we drafted Kevin King and we traded down from drafting TJ Watt, oh my God, um, is that he was a 4 3 guy at 6 1 corner. Long, lanky, athletic. And he's shown literally nothing but being long, lanky, and, tw- and tweeting slow. stupid shit. Sick and tired of Kevin King. So I've said it before. I've said it. I've said it a bunch of times that I'm good with Kevin King in the red zone. I like Kevin King when you 
yeah, when you need to guard a guy in the red zone and you can, you know, use the back of the end zone as another defender. So for Kevin King to be our third corner, that I can be okay with. But to be guarding number twos and to be guarding guys that are faster than he is, it's Eric Stokes' time. Listen, teams are scheming to run plays towards his side. It's that's the end of the that's the story. dude. If you line up a play where you have Lancaster and Kevin King on the same time or on the same side, the Packers are in trouble. <laughs> oh, that's sad. I'm laughing because I don't want to cry. <laughs> oh man. Because that, you know what that does? That puts you in a situation where Adrian Amos is your leading tackler. Yeah. Yeah, look what just happened. Look what just fucking happened. Oh, man. Jesus. There's my mic. I'm going to drop it. Except I'm not because that's going to make some bad sounds. But (laughs) We said it before the season. We said it all during last season. You don't want your safety being your leading tackler. Devontae Campbell had a bunch of tackles. Devontae Campbell had a bunch of tackles, but they were all a step late. Chris Barnes had some tackles after guys made receptions. I want to see more out of Chris Barnes. He's he's got potential, but he's got to be a step faster. He's a step slow on every single play. Do you know why? So we were bringing, bringing it up last week about our breakout players. Do you know why I picked Barnes? Opportunity? No, but that's a good point. I brought it up because in a 3-4, you need good linebacker play, right? And for to be a great 3-4, you need a great middle linebacker. So if the Packers were going to take a step this year in defense, and run defense especially, that's really been our Achilles heel. We can, we can defend the pass when we want to, except if you're Kevin King for some reason. If we want to defend the run, we need a middle linebacker. We need Chris Barnes laying the thump. Closing up those A gaps, those B gaps, running sideline to sideline. Look at Tampa Bay. Look at the 49ers. They have great middle linebacker play. Chris Barnes, like you said, he has a talent, he has, and he has the opportunity. That was a great point. He just needs to be able to read and react a little bit faster. Yeah, James, I know I know you're trying to give us a compliment, but you don't need to tell the Packers or the Packers fans that Jair Alexander is really good. Uh, yeah, Jair is the best corner in the league. He does not get thrown at. If you don't get thrown he, at, that they, they threw one pass in the first in the first half. Remember, they were up 7-0 already. They threw a pass, and Jameis Winston had to sail it because if he would have threw a good pass, that was a pick. Yeah, I mean, we know we know what we have in Jair. Appreciate the compliment, but, I mean, we know what we have in Jair. We know we're taking away number one wide receiver every week. I listened to the pregame show on Sunday. And James Jones was on there, and he was talking about – he was like, yeah, man, when, I'm at, when I become a GM, I'm going to be a great GM because there's just those guys that when they ask for a certain amount, you say, okay, sign this line. And he said the Packers have two of those guys, Devontae Adams and Jair Alexander. I was like, yeah, if they pretty much ask for something, I'm just like, yeah, just sign right there. We'll make it happen. I do not want to lose either of those guys. Oh, we'll cut Billy Turner. They're ridiculous. And he brought up a great point that the Packers have really, really been good at figuring out contracts in the season, like week 16, week 17. 16, 17, 18, yep. That's I heard them talking about that on the radio, yep. Yeah, I want to see I want to see them sign a Jair in the season because Devontae's already said that he won't do it in the season. If we sign a Jair in the season, that gives us time in the offseason to make it work with Devontae. Yep. 
Yeah, that gives you just more. You're putting more blocks in place, basically, is what yeah. you're doing. So let's just let's just make it happen with John Money. Pay that man, and we'll go from there. All right. So my last note on the defense is Oren Burks deserves some more playing time. Um, he's he's played fast. Actually, he was one linebacker that I saw that played fast and not a step slow, and he made a couple nice plays on special teams. Yeah. So that's my last note on defense is Oren Burks deserves some more playing time. Um, on the offense, I already mentioned that I think the first drive, the offense just seemed out of sync. Uh, LaFleur took the blame for not having the team ready to play. I already mentioned that New Orleans controlled time of possession, um, just trying to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. Um, I will say it seemed like all of the receivers, even Devontae, had trouble getting separation. Um, like I said, they didn't really use much pre-snap motion, so they weren't really confusing the defense a lot. They didn't use a lot of play action. Matt LaFleur admitted to abandoning the run too early. I mean, all of those things combined, and you just really didn't have any flow with the offense. Um, that's that's really what happened. Um, the first interception that Rodgers threw, did you you watch him talk about that on the Pat McAfee show, what he said? No, I didn't get to watch that part. The, he said the first interception that he threw was he got hit in the junk, and that's what kind of caused his bad throw. I didn't go rewatch it because I don't feel like watching Rodgers take a nut shot. But yeah, that's that's what he said happened on the first interception. So you know, we were all confused. We we're like, bro, we have never seen Rodgers do that before. What the hell just happened? Nah, you get hit in the dick. All bets are off. <laughs> all bets are off. Wait, you don't know what's gonna happen. How you're gonna react? Yeah, and that was a second and seven situation. So it's not like Rodgers doesn't know that he's gonna be able to throw that ball away and have a, a third down play. Um, that second interception, I don't really know what to say. I don't know if he got fooled by a corner or a safety or if it was just a frustration throw or if he was just saying, hey, MVS, go see if you can catch this, and I'm just going to launch it up so I don't get sacked for a safety. Yeah. I don't really know. Um, I do want to talk – I want to talk about Jordan Love. Let's talk about Jordan Love a little bit. What were your – what was your impression of Jordan Love in this game? Looked pretty good. He had a really nice completion to Amari Rogers, which was like he had two kind of, really nice completions. Kind of a kind of a snapshot to the to the future there, you know. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what's going on, but obviously it's not his time yet. He'll be all right. I th- I think Jordan Love's going to be a pretty good quarterback. I'm not going to say he's going to be a top ten or MVP or anything, but which oh, I mean, he he showed and he he showed some nice MVP. he showed some nice touch. Because yeah. he hit Amari on that one, he lofted it, dropped it in. He's not throwing, you know, he's not throwing Colin Kaepernick lasers 20, 20 yards over guys' heads. Um, and he dropped another one nice into Randall Cobb's hands, showing nice touch. And he, oh, it was so close. Lazard just couldn't hold on to it as he went to the ground with the corner. He hit Lazard right on the sideline, right into the hands. Lazar just couldn't hold on to it as him in the corner went to the ground. That was almost three really, really, really nice touch passes by Jordan Love. Uh, just couldn't get that third one. You know, was this the moment like when, when Favre had back when the Packers were getting pounded by the Cowboys and Rodgers came in and started throwing darts? Is this that moment for Rodgers? Is this that moment? I don't know. If it becomes it. And we keep doing this show like we plan to. Like we can come back to this and talk about it. I'll be re- I'll be ready, buddy. 
All right. I want to give I want to give Malik Taylor some credit because he fought to get on this roster. He played hard in the preseason. He fought to the very end of this game. Um, Packers are down by 30 and there's less than a minute left. And Malik Taylor is fighting to get extra yards inside the 10. They got into the red zone. Um, just the fumble took it away. They had a chance to score a touchdown with Jordan Love, but just got a strip sack and unfortunately didn't come away with any points. Yeah. All right. This is my comparison I'm going to make now that we're moving into the preview. All right, Isaac, you're going to like this too. So the Badgers struggled in week one from Penn State, and the Packers struggled in week one. The Badgers go to play Eastern Michigan to get a dominant win, and now the Packers are going to play a Michigan team. Oh, no. The Detroit Lions are about to be the Eastern Michigan for the Green Bay Packers. Oh, we'll, no. see if they... <laughs> we'll see if they win 27 to 4, 37 to 4, 37 to 6, or 7, you know. Oh, my God. You did not just say that. The Detroit Lions are the Eastern Michigan punching bag for the Green Bay Packers. Oh, and I have a reason why I said that. The okay. Packers offense scored the least amount of points in week one and are now going to face the Lions, who gave up the most points in week one. Yeah. Wait till you hear my score prediction. So if there's a remedy for a good offense that needs to bounce back from a bad week, it's to go play the defense that just gave up the most points in the week. So do you want to talk about the Packers offense or the Packers defense first? Let's talk Packers defense because I'm excited to talk offense. All right, let's talk about the defense. Do you have anything you want to say about the defense uh, versus Detroit's well, offense? So I was writing, I was writing down my notes, and I stumbled upon that the Lions have ten players on IR. Yeah, they lost. A, yeah, they might be better. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> the Lions have ten players on IR, and their starting quarterback is Jared Goff. And I sat here and thinking, like, which is worse for the Lions: having ten players on IR, or having Jared Goff as your starting quarterback, because both are shitty situations. I'm just going to say that right now. But going into that, I mean, the Lions really don't have much on offense. That scares me. Hawkinson is a very, very good tight end. Probably the second yep. best tight end in the league. Second, mm. third. Maybe behind Waller. Nope. I don't know. Hawkinson's a very, very good blocker, though. You think he's fourth? He's number four. You put you put him ahead of Kittle? Nope. Uh, that's, that's, where, that's where I have him. I have him as third. I have him ahead of Kittle. And maybe ahead it's... of Waller. No, he's definitely not ahead of Waller. Waller had 19 targets on Monday night. Yeah, I know, but he's a great receiving. But Hawkinson's a great run blocker too. That's where I Waller's of... Waller's number two for me. It's Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, Hawkinson, okay. and then probably Mark Andrews. I, I can respect that. I just eh, it is what it is. Hawkinson's just the only player on offense, I guess. Um, Packers defense get pressure, get pressure on Goff, fluster him, turn him from Goff to Goof, and will be in a good position to to win this game. Yeah, Jared Goff threw 57 passes in week one, so that kind of plays into the, the Packers' strength a little bit, being that they have a good secondary and a bad front seven. So um, they need to communicate better on defense, actually. Um, there's a lot of pointing and guard this guy, guard that guy, guard this guy, and guys just being left open on the Saints. So that needs to be cleaned up, see some better communication, hopefully get a better game plan from Joe Barry. Um and thankfully, Jared Goff is not a running quarterback. Yeah. Good Christ. 
All right, let's talk about the Packers offense. I know you said you're excited. Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to destroy the Detroit Lions. Uh, Aaron Jones is going to have a bounce back game. Uh, last year, we played the Lions week two as well, last year. And this was the Aaron Jones show. Remember, he had that 75-yard touchdown open the second half. Yep. He had that really nice catch up the sideline. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was the Aaron Jones show. That was where that was where we started the conversation where we talked about him being one of the best dual threat running backs in the NFL. Um, yeah, he, he's a monster. I, score prediction. I'll give you my score prediction after the weather because I'm going to let Tyler talk about offense. I think Tanyan in this game is going to have two touchdowns. All right. So, for me, I already mentioned the lowest point total versus the Lions, who had the highest amount given up. Um, I want to see the Packers establish rhythm early. I mentioned a couple times we talked about the Saints game that they seemed out of sync. So, I want to see them establish rhythm early and use this as a get-right game is what I want to see from the Packers. That's why I mentioned the Eastern Michigan comparison because the Packers need a get-right game. And if you could pick an opponent to have a get-right game, like Detroit is probably a good pick. Um I want to give Aaron Jones credit because he is improved as a pass blocker, which is something that Jamal Williams was kind of brought in to spell him at times for was pass blocking. And Aaron Jones has improved at that. So I want to give him some credit. And um, do you want me to give my score prediction and then you give yours? Yeah. And then I'll do weather report. All right. I'm going to say 30 to 20 Packers. I do think the Packers are going to like open up a bit, score some points. Um, Detroit, I think, is going to dink and dunk their way to some points, especially with as bad as the Packers front seven was in week one. So I'm going to say 30 to 20 Packers. I also have the Lions scoring 20 points, but I have the Packers scoring 45. All right. I think I would I would prefer your point total versus mine, but we'll see what happens. Aaron Rodgers is about to absolutely open up a can of whoop ass. Every time that somebody doubts Aaron Rodgers is when he has to go back on national television and remind everybody who the hell they're talking about. And he's got a good stage for it on Monday night. So, And if you're going to watch Monday Night Football, watch the Peyton and Eli cast because that – when he didn't have that helmet fit, his head was hilarious, first of all. His head's already nine feet long. <laughs> so, with that being said, you get my Ron Burgundy on. It's my weather report. So, it's going to be Monday night. It's going to be a little chilly. Uh, we're starting to get into the fall season here in Wisconsin. Everybody knows it's a little chilly. So it's going to be 68 degrees. Uh, winds south at 5 to 10 miles per hour. And there's a 50% chance of rain. We don't hmm. have to worry about being tired and hot because Jacksonville was hot. So we'll see. This this is fits more of the Packers, you know, play style. Hopefully they won't get destroyed. And I'm hoping that they're ready to play this week. All right, that was Jake's weather report. I got to contact AccuWeather and see if they want to sponsor us for that. <laughs> that would be incredible, would it not? That'd be fun. I'm with it. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what kind of magic I can work. <laughs> <laughs> I have to have you start doing the uh, start doing the radar. We'll put it up behind me. I'll put the radar up here, and you can bring that up. I will look at. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna text my girlfriend right now. She lo- she loves shopping online, so I'll just tell her to look that look that up right now. We have a, a costume change in the middle of every episode when Jake does his I'll, weather I'll report to come get a blazer right here, right here on the side. I'll be like, Burgundy time, baby. And you gotta I'll get a, you gotta get a clip on tie too. 
right. I, put, I clip on the tie and then put it and then put it on the jacket. All right, bet. <laughs> Wear one of those <laughs> shirts. <laughs> yeah, be like, yeah, be like Tim Dillard when he was doing his Bally Sports interview and he's got his tuxedo t-shirt on. <laughs> and then just put a and then just put a blazer over the top. <laughs> All right. Let's let's talk about the Badgers. We have one thing to talk about after this that'll wrap up the show. But let's talk about the Badgers. Let's talk about let's talk about the offense first because we talk about the the exciting stuff second. So we're gonna leave the the defense to the end. So let's talk about the offense first for the Badgers. Yeah, the offense was uh run the ball, basically. Uh, 55 rushing attempts total. Uh, Malusi, 20 attempts, 144 yards, touchdown. Uh, Garendo had that big long one up the sideline. He had five. 82 yards. Yep. Five for 92 total. Uh, Berger had a nice bounce back game for not playing against Penn State. 15 for 62 and a touchdown. And Braylon Allen. Shout out Braylon Allen, freshman out of Fond du Lac. He looks like a freaking brick house. And he jumped over everybody, seven rush attempts, 30 yards, touchdown. We had four rushing touchdowns in this game, which is incredible. They four were different running backs. Zero, but then they threw a pick six, which really sucked. I would have loved to get a shout-out. Shout uh, one thing that I, I did kind of like was that seven different receivers caught a pass. That was kind of nice. It would be nice if we could sprinkle it in a little bit more, you know, get guys, a couple more guys a couple catches. Uh, Pryor led the way at four catches for 54 yards. So I told you last week I wanted to see Kendrick Pryor more involved. He almost had a touchdown in this game too, but he bobbled it in the back of the end zone. Yep. The Badgers almost had touchdowns twice on that drive. One was uh, a Clay Cundiff play that was all the way up the sideline for a touchdown, got called back because of a penalty, and then the Kendrick Pryor drop that I just mentioned. Um, so that was two chances the Badgers had for touchdowns that they ended up only getting a field goal out of it. Um like I said, it was nice to see Kendrick Pryor more involved. You mentioned the four different rushing touchdowns by four different running backs. Uh, they pulled the starters after three quarters. So that pick six that happened came off of Chase Wolf, not Graham Mertz. So that's yeah. worth mentioning that Graham Mertz didn't throw a pick six. It was from Chase Wolf. And we know that Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis are good wide receivers, but I really am liking what I'm seeing from Kim Ray DK. Yeah. He's going to be – he's – okay, here we go. Here we go. Comparison time. I got one for you. Oh, yay. Ray DK is to this wide receiver group what I'm looking at for Jonathan Davis for the Badgers basketball team. Okay. Okay. Further on with that comparison so I can follow along with you. I'm interested. I'm intrigued. So Brad Davison's coming back for a super senior year, but we're looking for the Jonathan Davis show in the Badgers – basketball team Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis are both super seniors uh Danny Davis I think is actually in his sixth year with the Badgers because yeah. eligibility didn't count last year during the COVID year and Kendrick Pryor is a senior Kimmery DK is a sophomore and he's getting some solid playing time this year next year Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor are going to be gone you know who's still going to be there Kimmery DK it's gonna be the Kimmery DK show next year so what I'm seeing from him this year is getting me really excited for the potential to be the wide receiver one next year. Okay, okay. I'm with you now. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm in the same room. I like All right. That. Let's talk about the defense. Uh, smothering, I will say. I put fantastic. 92 yards for Eastern Michigan. <laughs> the entire game. 
That's not like one drive, like not one half. That is the entire freaking game. I wrote down 92 yards. No other notes needed. That's what I wrote down. <laughs> they had 16 rushing yards. I've, I mentioned last week when we did the preview that their their strength plays into our strength. 16 rushing yards. Yeah, That's dude. crazy. They only allowed three first downs. Yeah, dude. Eastern Michigan didn't cross midfield until their final drive of the game. Yeah, that's that's insanity. They they smacked people. <laughs> uh, I want to give I want to give your buddy Yoder shout out because he would mention when he did the primer, uh, Keanu Benton being a guy to watch out for. He put his stamp on this game. He had a tackle for a loss and a pass defensed in this game. Um, Scott Nelson played a little bit better. Um, and Henningsen on the defensive end played pretty well. He got the sack as well. Um, they forced three and outs on the first three possessions for Eastern Michigan. So, I mean, you can't say enough good things about the Badgers defense in this game. They needed Eastern Michigan as a get right game, just like the Packers need the Detroit Lions as a get right game. So that's what I'm looking for. From the Packers, we don't have a preview for the Badgers this week because they are on a bye. But next Wednesday, we are going to preview Badgers versus Notre Dame, and that is going to be an important game for the Badgers if they want to do anything postseason. And here's the other thing I'm going to say: we were talking last week about people complaining that the season was over. It's not. Thank God Iowa won against Iowa State because now Iowa's number five. If the Badgers handle business against a number five, who knows? They could be number three or number two at that point. We don't know what's going to happen. They're not going to be number one because Alabama's going to smoke everybody. Alabama's going to be number one, yeah. Yeah. Alabama's going to win the title. I just want to play against them in the title game. But, (laughs) which is really sad. If they (laughs) handle business against Iowa at home, all of a sudden everybody's just like, oh, hold on. Hold that thought, Wisconsin. You guys might have something here. And thank God we have a couple weeks you know, we have a couple weeks before we have to play them. So I love it. We can get some things figured out, have this off week. We play another tough opponent coming up against, you know, Notre Dame. That could be another game where people are like, okay, let's put them back in the top 15. The, the season is still well ahead of us. The meat is still there. We'll be just fine. All right. So the last thing I want to mention before we close the show out is right before the show, actually, the Bucks announced that they hired their new play-by-play, and it is going to be the first female play-by-play for a men's professional sport, and that's Lisa Byington. Um, I was listening to some of her calls from some college sports and some college football and stuff. Um, she sounds she sounds really good. So I'm excited for her. I'm excited to see uh to hear her talk, she'll be with Marcus Johnson, Zora Stevenson, Steve Novak. Um, I forgot to mention it when we talked to Craig Kashan that um, not only did the Bucks get a ring for Jim Paschke, but they also got a ring for Ted Davis, who retired from the radio play-by-play. Yeah. So um, I hear Ted Davis every day on the way home from work. He's who's on he's who's on the sports radio when I'm listening on the way home. So I hear a lot of Ted Davis, but. Um, but yeah, they have the the Jim Paschke replacement. It's Lisa Byington, the first female play by play announcer for a men's professional sports team. So incredible stuff, man. Bucks, you know, I said this to you earlier. The Bucks are really never scared to do the thing that you know go against popular opinion, and that's why they've been so successful and why this rebuild, you know, is brought us to the point that we're at. 
Um, I'm very excited to do a, a Bucks preview in the next couple of weeks here because of a lot of people, a lot of experts, you know, talking about this, about the Lakers, this, about the Nets, this, about this team. The Bucks, the Bucks won a championship, and it's still all Brooklyn, L.A. That's why we do this show. That's why we do this show. We don't yeah. want to just constantly hear New York, L.A., New York, L.A., a little oh. bit of Chicago, New York, L.A. It's, it's maddening that you hear that. We talked for 15 minutes about the Yankees and the Dodgers, 30 seconds about the Brewers who had a combined no-hitter, and they'll, you know, they'll let it be on the ticker at the bottom. Don't mention the fact that the Brewers swept the Indians. And then we're right back talking about the Dodgers. Are the Dodgers going to overtake the NL West? They're not even talking about the Giants in that situation. They're talking yeah. about if the Dodgers are going to make the leap in the NL West. It's The season hasn't even started, and it's already Brooklyn, L.A. favorites. Yep. And I get it. I get it. They have the star power, but the Bucs are getting back a DiVincenzo. The Bucks brought in a, a Grayson Allen. We got a lot of irritating motherfuckers, man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> we got a lot of pieces. We brought back that's... Bobby. We're still the champs. And you know what the saying is, you, if you want to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And I was talking to you know a fan today that followed the show, and we were talking about the Bucks for a couple minutes. And the thing that I said is, you know, I understand all the injuries with the Nets. I get that. I do. I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm not taking anything away from the Bucks for beating them. But I really think that if we would add DiVincenzo, and people can call me crazy if you want, but if we would add DiVincenzo to throw at Harden and and Irving, Sorry. we would have gave that. We would have gave them some problems, man. I really firmly believe that. We you talked know, about it in the games where DiVincenzo was healthy. That he's got the like the potential of Drew and Dante guarding Irving and Harden. We were excited for that. The thing is that people watch him play in the regular season, right? They watch him go one for six from the three-point line. DiVincenzo's game fits playoffs. It fits the playoffs. He is a grind it out, get extra possessions. Dive like, on the floor. Yeah, like he's that guy first to the floor. He's that guy. Same thing with Grayson Allen. Yes, he's a little bit of a prick in real life. But if he knocks down threes and he plays lockdown defense – I don't give a shit. Bring me a title. I am ready he's for Bucks. I'm ready he's for another Dante. He is. He's a little. We weird. have two Dantes now. Yeah, have fun with that, everybody. We're gonna be very freaking irritating. And, and then you throw in the you you toss in Semi Ojale, who's a, yeah. a big like solid body defender. You toss in George Hill as our backup point guard instead of Jeff Teague. Dude. The Bucks improved in my mind. The Bucks improved. And then just for just for chits and giggles, they toss Rodney Hood at the end of the bench who can play three. Yeah. He could, he could play multiple positions, really. He could be a knockdown shooter. It's just The Bucks yeah. are still very deep. But, hey, Giannis is ready to tinkle all over the Lakers, Isaac. <laughs> the Lakers the Lakers will be a problem this year if if health Yeah, healthy turn to them. If yep. they stay healthy, the Lakers will be there. Let's be honest. I mean, LeBron's really been the guy. He's been getting he's still the man on that team. He's been getting banged up more and more the last couple of years. And Anthony Davis, he he's always been injury prone. So if those two stay healthy, there will be a problem. And they'll probably end up in the finals because LeBron's still a bad dude. But just to write off the Bucks is ridiculous, in my opinion. Just to yeah. write them off. We still got Giannis. We still got Chris Money Middleton knocking down shots at the end of the game. 
We still got Drew Holiday playing lockdown defense. First team all, yeah, first team all NBA defense. Did Jake bust the Kanye line? Hey, maybe I did, but it was by accident. <laughs> I could keep a buck, you know, like Giannis. As far as the Lakers are concerned, I think it went under the radar, but a really good signing that they made was Malik Monk. That was a good signing. Yeah, it was. That was an underrated signing. It really was. I mean, and Russell going over there, I don't know. It is what it is. It doesn't really – he's in the playoffs. It doesn't scare a, me. You have a decision to make. Okay, one of these guys is going to be the ball handler. The other is going to be the shooter. Who the hell is going to have the ball, LeBron or Russell? Pretty easy decision, in my opinion. Yeah. What do you say? Yeah. Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn's a he's a decent player. He hasn't been as good the last couple of years or the last year or so um, as he was the first year that he was with Miami. But he's all right. He's a pretty good player. He's a good. He's a good backup point. I'll say that. And Rondo going back there. That makes a look that makes a lot of sense. He's a good playmaker. Yeah. They they have depth. It's just all old depth and then like three young guys. Yeah, they're basically what the Lakers are going for is we're gonna do one more big shot at this before everybody is hangs it up ARP cards. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. they got a good team. They got a good roster, man. They got a bunch of playmakers, a lot of veterans that understand that. And game. a good coach. Yeah. The the Lakers will be there. It's just health. But I'm ready. I want that matchup. We we wanted it in 2001. We really didn't, but we did. But I'm re- I'm ready for it, man. Uh, All right, Mello. Yeah. yeah, let's. We'll probably know. do. It'll probably be sometime early to mid October. We'll do our our Bucks primer as the season approaches. I think Jake said before the show that the Bucks opening game is October 19th, and that'll be the ring ceremony game. Yep. So. Um, probably in the next probably three or four weeks, we'll have a, we'll have a bucks primer and don't forget, we announced it today. We'll create an event for it on the show. November 4th live show, green Bay, Parker Johns. It's a Thursday night, six 30, come and hang out with us, see the show live and, and come and meet us. We'd love to meet, we'd love to meet you guys. So, Yes, sir. Come on, meet us. Uh, again, want to give a big thank you. Shout out to Craig Sean feeding our egos, coming on the show, taking time. He's kind of been part of our childhood, been part of our lives for a long time. So having an opportunity to talk to a guy like that about Brewers and Bucks is really, really kind of surreal. I found myself feeling like I was kind of floating for a little bit. I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I'm doing an interview. <laughs> I know. I, the fact that he was, that he took the, the time at the end to – to say that he enjoys our format and that he appreciates that we do the show live so that we can respond to the fan comments and that he, he wants us to see us keep going and that he, that he actually planted the seed to join us again in the future without yeah. us saying we'd love to have you back. The fact that he went out of his way to say that maybe I'll be talking to you guys again in the future was, was really cool. So um, definitely a big thank you to Craig Kishon. That was awesome. So um, I mean, hopefully we can have him back maybe during playoffs. Means we're pretty fucking cool, man. That's all I'm saying. That's how I heard it. Hey, <laughs> if if Tim it. Dillard and Craig Kishan think we're cool, like I can die happy. Like, yeah, that, that works I'm for me, like man. <laughs> man. All right, man. All right, I'll see you next week. Yes, sir. So.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.